Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. This is the last regular season podcast where we'll be looking ahead to a game and reflecting back on last weekend. It's come around so quick. Uh, also, this afternoon, we'll be chatting to Luke Williams, who is the head coach of the under 23s. Gregor has been catching up with him and we'll start looking at some transfer speculation of one of Bristol City's biggest players. But first, Gregor, let's discuss what happened at the weekend. And you enjoyed, or should I say endured, another nil-nil draw up at Forest and that was the day that Bristol City's playoff hopes completely died. It was. Football's crazy, isn't it? You go from one week, 5-5, and a record goal-scoring draw. Next week, obviously, the team has been working on the defence, but so has the opposition, and it's nil-nil. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had another scoreless draw to watch, but um, good point for City on the road, um, even though it's not a win. And, yeah, I mean, I do sympathise with some fans who have asked, did Lee Johnson really go for it? This is what I was going to ask you, because I wasn't there. Uh, I was, where was I last weekend? I was at Warsaw, where unfortunately I saw Northampton effectively be relegated, which is never nice. But I was listening and Tony Cotty was there for Soccer Saturday. And the most exciting thing, by his account, was that it was the penalty that Frank Fielding saved from Lee Tomlin. So I'm sure that was one that the Bristol City fans may have enjoyed. But, you know, if they got three points, they'd be sitting on 69. Now, yes, three points and an inferior goal difference to Derby, and it probably would have been too little too late. In fact, I'm pretty sure it would have been. You're not going to get a nine-goal swing on the final day. But why not just go for it? Nothing to lose. Yeah, um, to be fair to Lee, he threw Aidan Flint up front for the for the final 10 minutes, but he was a little bit hamstrung at the um he was a little bit hamstrung by the injury to Nathan Baker because mm-hmm. um, Baker got smashed by um, a shot right in the Yeah, it sounded really nasty. Yeah, right on the schnoz and uh, yeah, he was out well, cold they, they reckon for four or five minutes and Wow, really? I didn't realize he was unconscious for that <laughs> long. I just thought it was a sort of Flash in the pan. Yeah, that was what Lee Johnson said about him after the game. Goodness me. Like he'd taken a punch from Tyson Fury. But um, maybe we should uh, take that with a, a pinch of salt because I remember <laughs> earlier in the season, Lee saying about Matty Taylor. Broke. Broken nose, exactly. I remember with, that. Um, from the red card with um, Barani. Is it Barani? Barani from Leeds, yeah. yeah. And uh, that didn't uh, seem to take uh, place. But, uh, yeah, there we are. So it wasn't the most uh, thrilling game by all accounts, but... It's just been the sort of story of the last few games. It's just petered out a bit. I mean, obviously, the whole game was thrilling, but even that should have been three points in the bag. It's just been a story of not been quite quite getting over the line. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, um, yeah, they were outplayed for long patches up at the city ground, to my eyes, and certainly the shots say that. But... Um, I think I think Forrest had sort of twenty more shots or something, wow. like, something like that, but most of them were long range efforts. And after the game, Lee Johnson did say that he felt pretty comfortable because yeah, they weren't creating the greatest chances. But for Bristol go- City again, this has happened a few weeks ago. They didn't have a shot on target. Yeah, this is true. They did have good chances though. They did have a couple of really good chances. Liam Walsh was probably the pick of the players for me, actually. And That's good seeing he's getting back in the team and yeah. seems to be ticking over nicely. He, he made the most tackles in the game uh, as well, successful tackles, because he's only a small he's guy. Small? So, uh, apart from Col- uh, Jack Colback, that is. Um, and yeah, he set up a really great chance for Jeju and Unfortunately, Fam could only just curl wide, um, but there was another great chance from Marlon Pack, who had a shot from the edge of the area, just went wide. And so, yeah, it's not fair to say 
and like the Millwall game actually in some respects it's not fair to say that City were rubbish they didn't get a shot on target because they did have chances just their finishing wasn't clinical enough um, and Forrest only had the same amount of shots on target so um, yeah, a draw is probably the fairest result um, and well played Frank Fielding for saving the penalty yeah and definitely redeemed himself from some of the stick he was getting from the previous week against Hull but if you look at April as, as a whole it's been a real missed opportunity I think the only victory came against Birmingham on that Tuesday night game and overall ultimately not getting any more than one win Mm. in those one, two, three, four, five, six games sees them not getting a playoff yeah the the season has really petered out hasn't it really uh, tapered off disappointing but yeah you you can look at it two ways Um, have they blown a terrific opportunity um, and who do you blame for that or um, as a lot of fans see as well do you look at it uh, look at the bigger picture and see what four or five years of progression now mm-hmm. after coming up from League One and yeah certainly from 17th to, to 10th and that terrific uh, cup run then um, there's a lot of positives to be um, gleaned as well Sheffield United this weekend which is a game we looked at six, seven, eight weeks ago and we said God this could be the decider this could be it because at that point Sheffield United and Bristol City were f- flirting with the playoffs uh, as it is they're now uh, a few places outside it's not going to happen but Bristol City, the lowest they could now finish would be 11th, and that's a decent achievement, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's 10 years, isn't it? Um, 2008, I think I was looking at earlier, that they last finished in the top 10 of the Championship. And that's when they got to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, the season after that, I think, uh, the one I was looking at. Okay, um, under yeah. Gary Johnson, and they yeah. finished 10th then. So, yeah, I mean... That, that maybe should be a, an indication of like how well they've done this year because yeah they've not been up there too too often and yeah certainly a lot of fans say well look at the spending but um, there's there's a lot of clubs out there who spent a lot as well. Oh, there's a lot of clubs that spent a lot more than Bristol City and I don't know how fair a comment that would be. I know from our issues been the record signing five point two million is what we believe that they paid for him in summer, but he certainly delivered. You know he's actually got a, a better sort of goals to minutes ratio than Bobby Reid, hasn't he? He has. Yeah, he's got. A, He's got a great record there and he's probably going to get better next season. I expect him to get 20 goals. And yeah, um, I think there's been some good improvement from several of the City players and I would expect there to be more next year, next year from the likes of Eros Pizzano and Calmo Dowdo who sort of come, um, come to the fore this season and maybe a couple of the other guys as well. It's something that we'll look at in much sort of greater detail in the following two weeks because we're going to do two part end of season review we're going to look at the first half of the season the second half and Gregor I'm going to be asking you and I'm going to be asking the listeners as well I want the standout moments I want to know who has been Bristol City's best player there's a number of candidates and we'll come on to that later on how you can get involved with that Uh, before we move on to, to this big transfer speculation this week I want to talk to you about match day programs now we've all been tweeting about this on social media and personally for me uh I'm a big, big fan of matchday programmes. I tweeted yesterday, you may have seen this, and it's got into quite the debate with a number of people. I said, as a kid buying a programme at a football match, felt so special. The smell of it, I don't know if I'm weird, but I love the smell of it. The glossy pages, I still love reading them today. They're really useful for statistics and information. It'll be a real shame if the EFL does away with them. And what I meant was if EFL clubs choose not to keep them. 
So essentially what's happening is next month the EFL is going to meet and talk to the clubs about whether they want to carry on making a matchday programme. At the moment it's compulsory all the way down to tool station level because I went to watch my husband play this week and they had programmes and I was like, I don't know you did them. We have to, we have to do them. So you think all the way through Mm. they have to do matchday programmes. So what's your thoughts I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit indifferent, actually. I think um, I'm, I wouldn't be fussed if they if they went. <laughs> uh, from my point of view, I think uh, yeah, it's the digital lifestyle. People are move, moving on, but I do respect obviously that there's probably older or even younger fans who, who do not, what are you saying? <laughs> who do still like a program. <laughs> I don't personally buy them when I go and see um, a football match, but that's my choice. Um, I think I think clubs should be able to decide. And I think ultimately it'll probably be decided by whether there's a profit to be made there, like everything really. Yeah, I, I, I do see why people think clubs should be able to decide. But my argument is, you know, we've had football programmes for well over 100 years now. Mm. And cost isn't something that's ever been that greatly debated to my knowledge. Yes, it costs the, the club to make them, but they also get quite a, back, a bit back from advertising revenue, things like that. Now, when I was a kid, our next-door neighbour used to go and watch games sort of all over. I mean, he's a Porter firm, he used to go and see them. And then one night he went to watch uh, Aston Villa v Atletico Madrid in the UEFA Cup. And he brought me back a programme. And honestly, it was the best thing since sliced bread. Like, bringing back a programme and having that thing to hold in your hand. And is, that, is this, if some clubs decide to do away with it, is it not going to take that away from the next generation of football fans? Is, that's a pastime, isn't it? Having a programme in your hand. I think the the next generation is too busy on Snapchat and uh, looking at, yeah, basically pictures of the players, what they're doing um, in a different in a different medium. But, that's a uh, really good point, you know. But, that's an excellent point because, of course, you can go onto Instagram or Snapchat and see what Joe Bryan had for breakfast. You don't need to read about it. That used to be some of the fun in the match day program. Or what's your favourite food and things like that? Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's all about instant gratification. Isn't so, this really? is it. Um, yeah. And maybe there isn't a need for that so much anymore. Come on, Michelle, stick it next to your rattle and the the hard leather football. No, I will carry on with my rattle that I take to (laughs) Bristol City each week, swinging it round on the gantry. Um, But do you think Bristol City will keep it, just out of interest? Um, There's a a guy in the media team, isn't there, James, who who I think um, puts that together. yeah, I, I, an excellent programme yeah already. it is It is. I, I quite like the um, artwork that they've got on the front I know it's not to everybody's taste but I quite That's like cool. those cartoony yeah. style ones Unique. a bit different yeah exactly so yeah I, I think maybe they would do because they seem to have a good working method where they sort of use um, some of the bits they put online um, which is um, <coughs> what the post kind of do in some respect <laughs> <laughs> do you not do you not think though that when you're sat like we sit in the media room and honestly my favorite media room to go to is Bristol City probably because we're lucky enough to know a lot of people in there and it's a really lovely place to go and you know I get to go to all different grounds around the country and so do you when you go away but I get to go across the four tiers of English football but Bristol City is my favorite but do you not think it's nice to sit there you open a program and you find something and I'll come up to you and go have you seen this about this bloke you know, whoever they're playing. Like, let's say they're playing Sheffield United. I'll go up to you and be like, oh, look at number 10. Blah, yeah, blah. yeah, absolutely. I do hear you there. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm And people do like the stands, don't they? Yeah, big shout out at this moment for Ken, who works Oh, in, we're going to tie this in. People listening won't know who Ken is, but... Um, Ken is just the sweetest. 
Can, do, you, do you want to explain who is? Explain who I is don't it. know what his official job title is. We are now digressing, by the way, from the programme talk. But Ken is is the man that greets you when you walk into Bristol City's press room. So if you're ever lucky enough to, to go in there, or perhaps one day you find yourself working in there, uh, Ken has been there. How long do you know? Do you, I think we should ask him on Sunday. Because yeah. it's the final game of the season. Because I don't well, know how long he's been there, but it, it's years and years and years. He talks very fondly of the um, 70s and the Alan Dick side. So, um, and he's well, chatted to me yeah. about the likes of Alan Walsh in the 80s and things like that as well. And he knows so, his stuff, doesn't he? Really yeah, knows his he stuff. He really knows his stuff. And so basically, Ken looks after everyone in the press mm-hmm. room. And he knows I'm vegetarian, so he goes off and always gets me some sandwiches. And he sorts out all the food. And he works tirelessly. He sort of is running around after everyone. He gives out the programmes, gives out the water, and then gives out all the team sheets. Unsung hero. He it? is an absolute unsung hero. So on Sunday, it's our mission when we're there to find out how long he's been there for. Okay. Let's, let's, mission accepted. Let's have a little yeah. chat with him. And we can put it in next week's podcast. We'll and so the Bristol City fans know about Ken. And also, Ken is the father-in-law of Adam Baker, the media officer. Ah, okay. So, yep. a little fact for you there. Uh, so, let's move on then to some chat about some massive speculation about one of Bristol City's key players. And I know this is something that you've been writing about, Gregor. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Joe Bryan and big links for him to a Premier League club yeah um, that's sort of broken today hasn't it um, it's a Telegraph story I think uh, journalist John Percy who's um, an excellent journalist I follow him myself if you don't know him give him a follow because um, he's got a great record on transfers he doesn't get very much wrong and um, he's saying that Burnley are going to make a £6 million bid for Joe Bryan and uh, I think unfortunately that makes a lot of sense for everybody involved £6 million for Joe Bryan then from Burnley, a Premier League club that could be playing in Europe next season. It's not enough though, £6 million. How long has Joe got left on his contract? I believe, well, on the club website they've said till 2019. Um, The only thing, so another year, Mm. the only thing might be whether he has an option year in his contract, which some of the players do. I don't know if that's the case or not um, and the club won't. Uh, reveal that kind of information for sort of obvious reasons mm-hmm. but um, yeah is it enough money I don't know I was looking at some left backs from last season who were sold and likes of Andrew Robertson I think went for about 8 million quid um, uh, Stephen Kingsley and went for 3 million quid do you know quid. how long these roughly had left on the contract no, uh, no not really but that's I mean, a big part of it you know if Joe Bryan had 2 years left yes, on the contract absolutely, absolutely. 6 million would be an absolute steal but I guess the fact he only has a year left yeah Potentially someone could get him for free in a year. So, yeah, £6 million doesn't sound um, too bad a deal. I, I, I would suggest maybe a slight bit more um, British guy, versatile, coming up to his peak, 24 years old. He's not um, gonna, yeah, he's not going to hit his peak for a couple of years. Exactly. And, yeah, he can play left wing, left back. I saw someone say on your Facebook page earlier that he could play in central midfield, which is an interesting <laughs> yeah. observation. Not quite um, sure about that one. But yeah. for Joe Bryan to go for £6 million, for me, even with a year left, that seems too cheap could they not be pushing to 8, 9 maybe 10 I think million? so yeah Tyrone Mings went for about 8 million quid I think from Ipswich to Bournemouth and mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's too much difference there well obviously there's different players but uh, maybe in the same kind of bracket of uh, potential we're talking like it's you know it's going to happen so do you really think that this deal is it's going to it's going to come down to Joe what he wants to do basically I'm sure the club will be trying to tie him down to a new contract and it's whether basically Joe wants to hang around maybe see if City can get into the Premier League themselves in the next few years or and footballers don't have the longest careers as we we said before maybe he wants to go up now and play Premier League football straight away and you never know maybe he's got other ambitions as well well he could be playing in Europe next year if 
what everything you've, you've said there comes to fruition. But he's a local lad, and mm-hmm. Burnley is a long way away. Mm-hmm. You know, his family's down here, and to move that far, you know, it's a move you'd have to be sure of because he's not played anywhere else but Bristol City. I know he's had low moves to the likes of Plymouth Argyle and things, but, you know, Plymouth Argyle's an hour and a half, two hours down the road. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, we'll have to see. Maybe it might come down to the financial details. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, do, you think he, do you think he'd increase his wages a lot by going to a Premier League club? Is there, oh, is there, definitely, is there a definitely. Big, yeah. Just, yeah, wage levels aren't... The wage levels um, yeah. are not comparable? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would be would be huger at Burnley. Um, that, so if it comes down to that kind of thing, then yeah, undoubtedly he's going to earn more money in the Premier League. And Lee Johnson has kind of alluded to this kind of stuff earlier, which is why he said only what's, uh, last week that it could be a difficult summer ahead. So we'll have to see. But just one last point on Joe Bryan. I know Steve Lansdowne was asked, wasn't he, at the end of last summer how much it would cost to prize him away and he said £10 million then so maybe and that was last summer and a year has passed since then so it depends if you look at the value of footballers going up or whether the contract has reduced his value but we'll have to wait and see it would be a shame though to see Joe Bryan go but he's not just you know one that could be going there's a number of of players that will come on to in more detail in the next couple of weeks I think Uh, particularly you know Bobby Reid could Aidan Flint, even though he's just signed a new deal, could he be going? Yeah, I mean, from where where we sit and where we eat at Ashton Gate, you're right next to the scouts at um, Ashton Gate. Well, just go in and ask them. Yeah. On, <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that I know Alan Crawford is um, one of the key scouts for Burnley, and he's been, I know he's been, I've seen him there, he's been there a couple of times at Ashton Gate in the last few weeks um, so it, yeah it, it kind of fits in with this story yeah, that Burnley yeah. definitely interested but Joe Bryan hasn't had as good a second half of the season has he no it was interesting wasn't it Lee Johnson saying that he thought his form has dipped recently and um, I'd probably agree with that as well and the other thing is I've said this a few times I don't think Bristol City need worry about it though it'd be Lord terrific Kelly. yeah absolutely yeah. it'd be terrific <laughs> it would be terrific terrific if Joe Bryan signs a new deal it would be fantastic mm. build, excuse me, build the team around um, the likes of him and, and Bobby if you could get him to stay as well and they'd probably be is it realistic come on let's be brutally honest is it realistic well uh, yeah, I don't know I don't know maybe, maybe I mean Aidan Flint signed a new deal so but what does that mean though because now did he sign that in, in his head thinking we'll be a Premier League team next season and now that's not the case are you telling me that if someone like sort of in the lower echelons in the Premier League came in, that he wouldn't be tempted and he wouldn't be pestering for a move again? Well, we'll probably find out. But I think it's interesting, actually, this is going to date this podcast, but Neil's mentioning is that um, tomorrow for the presser... So we're recording this on Wednesday, so the press yeah. on Thursday. And um, Lee Johnson is going to be speaking, so that's going to be obviously very interesting. Um, and so is Aidan Flint. So I, I kind of... Craig, well, this is your moment. Yeah, well, I kind of find it funny <laughs> that maybe the club should put Aidan Flint up. Cause the last he, one of the we're season. Gonna to, we're going to have to grill him about that kind of stuff, you know, so... Well, yeah, that's something I'm sure you'll put to him and we'll read more about as well tomorrow and we'll definitely be talking about more um, next next week on the podcast. We did ask for your questions today because this is sort of our last regular one of the season and just a couple of thoughts. Uh, Neil said to us, most City fans would agree that the team has achieved this season, certainly beats being in a relegation scrap, but I can't help feel we have snatched mid-table mediocrity from the jaws of promotion. So surely LJ, Lee Johnson, should be explaining to the fans why this has happened. Yeah. I think he's tried to explain mm-hmm. it over the last few weeks, in fairness. I mean, mm-hmm. he said, didn't he, if he had the answer, he'd put it into action. 
Um, but how can a team change so much? Yeah, I, I think I've probably heard Lee actually explain his answers to that about 10 to 12 <laughs> times. Just because when so you, you go... So you won't be asking that tomorrow. <laughs> well, just because when you go to an away game, obviously the journalists locally there are in the press conference as well, and they always ask about... Um, what City's ambitions are, and they always ask him about why they've fallen away, why he thinks they've fallen away this season. So I've heard Lee explain his answer to that about 10 to 12 times, and I can tell you that chiefly he has said it's because they've had this um, large bout of injuries, um, 10 operations he mentioned at the weekend at Nottingham, um, and that's meant that a lot of key, a key part of the squad has been out. They've had to flog the same players, the likes of Corey Smith, Marlon Pack, Flinty, Bakesy, all these guys. So um, and that's shattered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They just haven't been able to cope with the the marathon run of games that you have in the championship and the cup run as well. And, and exactly, yeah, with the cup run as well. But and people are positive. You know, Darren said it's been still been an amazing season, top half, semi final of the cup, some remarkable high scoring games, something to build on, not dismantle. And talking of building, is Lee Johnson going to be here to build it next season, Greg, or is he off to West Brom? He's not off to West Brom, no. He's. Um, we asked him about that at the weekend and he flat out said there was speculation. I don't um, read newspapers. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly, yes. And um, yeah, so it looks like he's going to be staying. I, I think that's great. I, I do think he's doing a good job. I don't. I, I do agree with... I see where the supporters are coming from who criticise him. And I think that you have to remember Lee's a young coach as well. He's going to make mistakes, but he's going to learn as well, you know. So I'd expect him to be a better coach next season. Um, the squad will be better. Um, well, Dean Holden and Jamie McAllister be alongside him? Would, yeah. would anyone potentially come in for them over summer? Um, not so sure about that. I know obviously Dean was linked to, um, I think it was the was it, uh, Oldham post um, not so long ago. But yeah, I asked him at the time and he said he's very settled in uh, Bristol. Um, so yeah, I, I think those guys are, are pretty happy as well. And I think that the, cl- the whole club really is kind of looking forward to next yeah. season, as Lee said uh, and hoping to go a little bit better. And I actually don't think, I want to get this in there, sorry, uh, I actually think if they trade well this summer, and that's mm. the key, honestly think that next year they don't have too much to fear, even if they sell a couple of key players. I just, the thing that I worry about for Bristol City is this second half of the season, the form, I know you've got some stats about the form, which we'll be going into greater detail next week. The form has not been flirting with playoff form. It's been relegation form since Christmas. So if they were to start the season how they finished it, it's mm-hmm. bad news. So somehow they've got to get out of this rut over summer, come back for pre-season and start, as they did this season, you know, all guns blazing. Yeah, away form is atrocious. It's so bad. Yeah, four, I think it's four defeats in the last six. But actually home form isn't that bad. I think it's only one defeat in the last seven, eight. But a few draws as well. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's it's weird. I think something's got to give. Is it? I I do think the away form will turn round though. So, um, do you think like if let's just say Joe Bryan leaves, Aidan Flint leaves, and Bobby Reid leave? Just pure speculation. Is that then your chance for Lloyd Kelly to come in, Zach Viner to come back from Plymouth Argyle and establish himself in the first team, Matty Taylor to come in and be the man off from Arajiju's shoulder? We could see quite a different Bristol City next season, couldn't we? We could do, and yeah. But they could still play the same style of football. Worst case scenario, say you lose those three, the other one I'd be worried about is Marlon Pack. Mm, He's only got a year left, hasn't he, on his contract? Um, Say you lost three of those four, then yes, you've got Viner to come in, Lloyd Kelly to come in. And those guys need to play, they're good enough to play, they really are um, so yeah you, you're not you, 
you probably got what 20, 20 to twenty five million pounds to spend as well from the sale of those. Three. It's a condensed transfer window, though. You know, it ends yeah. on the 9th of August this season. The mm-hmm. World Cup only finishes fourteenth or fifteenth of July. And I know not many Bristol City players will be at the World Cup, but over summer, by the way, we will be doing a special World Cup podcast, which we're both very much looking forward to. But uh, we'll be coming back off the World Cup podcast, and I'm expecting a frenzy of transfer activity. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? They've got to uh, get their dealings done a bit earlier this year. I wonder if it's going to see inflated prices. Because, um, yeah, because all windows close on the 9th of August for English clubs but across mm-hmm. Europe it's the 31st isn't it yeah and uh, this has been a little bit underreported as well I think is that the EFL have new rules coming in next season slightly in terms of the squad makeup. you need to have um, a deve- another a player developed within the club I think in the in the first team uh, first team squad yeah right. I, I can't remember offhand if it's the squad or match day or, or the starting 11 it's one or the other oh right. surely it's the but, squad I'll let you go and look at that and come back to us next week because that is big. Mm. But it, it's I mean, Bristol City, Bristol City, they'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. But that is, that's, mm. that's intriguing. Uh, Gregor, thank you very much for this week. But before we go, uh, you caught up with Luke Williams, who is in charge of the under-23s. He is. He's the boss of the under-23s. And, yeah, I've been down and watched those guys playing um, a fair few times this season. And I wanted to ask Luke what he'd made of the year overall. He's This is his first full season at Bristol City. And, obviously, uh, the Robins um, put a large emphasis on the, on the talent coming through at Ashton Gate so it's interesting to see these guys and especially to get Luke's views on working with them and here's what he said and uh, playing National League National League football at a very young age then the players that are left in in the 23 squad have got a a huge pressure on them to to compete and uh, be sometimes with under 18s and under 16s at times in, in the group as well so we're trying to accelerate everybody's, um, you know, their, their development. There's no, there's no excuses for anybody. You've got to step up. If you go on loan, you've got to step up. If you're left with a 23s, you've got to step up. If you're an under 16 being called in or an under 18 being called in, you've got to step up to it. And, uh, it's a good environment, I think, for young players. You've still got the Gloucestershire Cup finals coming, haven't you? That's in a couple of months, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to play that uh, pre-season. So that's Luke Williams, who's in charge of the under 23s. Some exciting prospects coming through. You've seen them about 10 times this season, haven't you, Gregor? So uh, an enjoyable watch for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a couple of guys in there who I think it's really interesting, interesting to keep an eye on. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't say they're ready for any kind of first team involvement at this moment but certainly in the next few years I'm sure that the likes of Brian Tinian and Luke and uh, Alex Ball have, have got their eyes on these guys to, to hopefully be the next Joe Bryans and Bobby Reed. Great, well thank you Gregor next week then will be part one of our end of season review. Now this is going to focus pre-Christmas so this is going to be a very positive uh, part one and we want you to get involved with this uh, so there's two ways to get involved essentially we want your three word review of Bristol City before Christmas so that includes the Manchester United game that includes them climbing up the table into almost the automatic spots as well so if you want to get in touch with us you can tweet us at Michelle Owen 7 or if you want to get your phone out uh, I know I use an iPhone or if you use a Samsung or whatever or whatever the Android device it is, just go to your voice notes, give us your name, uh, where you're from, and your three-word review. So for me, it would be uh, Michelle Owen from Portishead, 
free-flowing football would be like my first three words that spring into mind just off the cuff. So if you want to do that, you need to email them to Gregor and your email address is... Gregor.McGregor at TrinityMirror.com And any problems with that, just drop us a tweet at Michelle Owen 7 and we'll put the best ones in our podcast next week. And next week then will be part one review of the season. So I've got a feeling, Gregor, it's going to be it's going to be a fun one next week. And then part two, I'm sure there's been positives to take from that as well. And we will, of course, briefly look back on the Sheffield United game. Any predictions for what's going to happen at the weekend? Is there a danger that some players might be on the beach, Gregor? Yes, that time of year, isn't it? I think where everybody overanalyzes the players leaving the pitch. Are they going to? Is there going to be any waves goodbye, <laughs> lingering waves oh. to, the, to the south stand? Is there going to be? Any tears walking off the... We'll be keeping an we'll eye We'll be keeping an eye out, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's our job. OK, Gregor, thanks so much. And join us next week. And anything else to add, just go to iTunes. You can rate us there and review us too. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Robin's on the Wire.